welcome back to the first talking bollocks of 2024 with me, your host, Howard H. Smith. Yeah! Yep, it's all the same as it ever was. Welcome back, welcome back to the talking of bollocks with your host, me, 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 me. Um, well, in case you didn't know, I sing in UK thrash band Acid Rain. I host the official Motorhead podcast, that, uh, The Motorcast. I also host a weekly football co- uh, podcast called The Reducer with a couple of comedians, fellow comedians, because I also does that. So check that out. Link in the show notes. Um, I don't know, does anybody ever fucking click those things? Do you? Let me know, please, because otherwise I'll just fucking save myself... Uh, a bit of a pain in the ass and not bother doing it. So let me know. Um, there's also a link to... <laughs> yeah, actually, I should know already, shouldn't I? Uh, there's, a, there's a link in there where you can join the show at Patreon. Basically, it's pay for more of my ego. Um, I do deliver a lot of content. Um, I have been told it's one of the best out there. Uh, that's not for me to say. That's what I've heard. That's what I've been told by patrons. Um, and the loyalty of every single patron is incredible and really appreciated. It really is. And genuinely, I've been doing it since 2017 now. And it is like I've got a, a, like a bunch of new friends all over the world. Now, admittedly, most friendships are not based on them giving you money. <laughs> so, I, but it is like they've become my friends. So if you'd like to pay to become my friend... <laughs> Then sign up for Patreon. It's quite relevant to this episode. Well, it's not really, because you, you, you'll have heard all of this music somewhere else, but I do a, a monthly show called Radio Bollocks. Personally, I think that's worth uh, the money alone. Two hours of programming that you ain't going to hear anywhere else. It's whatever falls out of my head, and it could be anything from classic Queensryche to brand new death metal. Or also, stuff that's not even released yet. Hmm? Check that shit out. Probably shouldn't have said that, but anyway, never mind. Hopefully, no record companies listening. In fact, why would there be any record companies listening? But if there are, do let me know. Um, We haven't really got very far, have we? There is a massive, massive irony about um, me recording this podcast today. Um, I'm recording this, and normally I wouldn't do this. I wouldn't date it, but this is a one-off in 10 years, right? I'm recording this on Sunday, the 14th of January. Um, busy laying down some guest vocals on Thursday um, for Inquire Within for their new EP. Friday, gigging in Plymouth, which which is the other end of the country from where I'm at. I'm a, I know, I know. If you're in the US, you're probably thinking, that's pathetic, Howard. Shut up, stop making a big deal of it. But, you know, nine-hour round trip? Yeah, it's quite it's quite a big deal. So anyway, that's I don't know. I've completely dated this bastard, haven't I? If you're listening to this at any point in the future, sorry. Yeah, I know. Don't worry. None of the other episodes are like this. Um, so uh, yeah, I've been busy. Is basically what I'm saying. But I have um, I've got around to doing this podcast on January the fourteenth. The relevance of that is it's ten years this very day that I released the first ever Talking Bollocks. And um, I remember starting it and thinking, um, you know, I wonder if this is, you know, I wonder if this is something that I'm you know, going to be doing in five years' time, never mind ten years. Or is it? Did I think that? I don't know. I, I'm not one for planning ahead. I'm, it's just like, right, just, you know, smash today. Tomorrow will take care of itself. That's been my motto. Um, but I do think that... 
it's pretty incredible, really. I really do. And the 10 years has flown by, flown by. For example, there is a little bit of a chat with um, with Hayton from Censor on the end of this episode because I felt like I, I needed to give you some sunken content that wasn't me. Bear in mind you had uh, a whole episode of me earlier and you're going to get mostly me talking about music in this episode. So I had to put something in there. Uh, definitely looking at getting um, a, a longer interview with Hayton very soon. During the interview, he says, um, well, our first album's going to be 10 years, uh, it's going to be 30 years old next year. And I was thinking, is there, well, is there an album before Stacked Up? Because, like, I only interviewed him a few years ago, and, I'm, and that was like the, that was the 20th anniversary. And then I realised, after looking through the interviews on my phone, that the Censor interview was nine years ago. And I was just fucking blown away. Because when I saw him at the venue, he was like, all right, fella, how are you doing? I was like, yeah, cool, man, how are you? And it was, it was, it, it honestly felt like it had only been a few years. And then I look back through conversations on Twitter and stuff, in the messages, obviously not tweets. And um, yeah, it was nine years since I'd interviewed him. And I couldn't believe it. I really couldn't believe it. Um, so anyway, uh, that's a bit of a tangent. F tangent fans, excuse me, coffee is needed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. All other odd part, all other other, all other other odd, I nearly called, I nearly called it an odd cast. <laughs> Welcome to the Howard H. Smith Ego Oddcast, otherwise known as Talking Bollocks. And I have talked a lot of bollocks already. Christ, if this is the first episode you've listened to or the first new one, having heard it's been, I've been banging on for 10 years, then um, fucking hell, you must be regretting that decision already. <laughs> um, well, uh, let's crack on, shall we? Let's crack on with... As always, the news, but only a little bit of news because uh, there's a lot to get through and I didn't want this episode to just be like too much of me banging on. But there's a couple of things that I wanted to um, I wanted to highlight um, and they're, they're probably not big news stories that anybody was expecting me to comment on. But, but Mudvayne's Chad Gray, who I have a lot of respect for, and as for those of you who listened to the, the last episode, which was the anniversary special, if you haven't, go back and listen to it because um, it's had some great feedback. Um, Probably one of the very first interviews where I really, inverted commas, got into it with somebody and re just had, like, what it felt like a moment. It felt like I was getting more than an interview. I was connecting with somebody, and I hate that word. I hate that. It's like, you know, connection and connecting with people is right up there with going on a journey. Overused phrases, but really good at describing what you're trying to get across. Anywho... I say that too much. I know. I'm sorry. Um, Chad Gray, great interview. Loved it. Wonderful. Thank you, Chad. Would be great to have you back on the show because it's been nearly 10 years. Anywho. I fucking hell, there you go. Okay, right, I'm not going to say it for the rest of the episode. Fingers crossed. I could always just edit it out, couldn't I? But anyway, well, that's a start. In an interview with Underground Australian magazine... Uh, Mudvayne frontman Chad, Chad Gray lamented the lack of originality of a lot of the newer hard rock bands and the heavy metal bands saying there is nothing separating one band from another um, and basically saying that you know most music sounds the same um, he says in recent uh, presence of new metal inspired artists he said Dude, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I don't give a fuck because in in me I've got stuff to say and I'm gonna say it. 
Music now to me, God bless them, new bands, but they sound the same. All new music reminds me of the same fucking thing. There's nothing separating it, one band from another. It's like one band kind of does something, a hundred bands follow that band, then another band does something, then a hundred bands follow that band and sound like that fucking band. Now, I've got a lot of time for that. I, I know exactly where he's coming from. And I'm sure there's a fair few of you kind of like nodding along, listening to it going, yeah, he's got a point. Um, it's just that, I, I don't know, I, 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 I always, I'm always guarded when it comes to that, you know, they all sound the same, all new music sound. It's just, I don't ever want to sound like the generation before me. You know, if you can remember when you were a young metaler and you had people going, oh, but you know, all thrash bands sound the same. And you just think, you're not fucking listening. You're not paying attention. You're not listening hard enough or carefully enough or concentrating. And yes, then there's no way they all sound the same. And it's that, it's that every generation thinks every previous, you know, thinks the, every new generation coming along thinks their music is A, bollocks, and B, all sounds the same. And I, I just never want to be that guy. And I'm not saying that Chad is being that guy, but he's getting very close to it. And I think he's got some good points there about, you know, one band does something and it's fairly groundbreaking and, you know, it sounds, it, 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 it's successful. And then a load of other bands follow it. Well, yeah, I know that's nothing new. That's kind of always happened, but it's there's so much of it out there now. I think that is why it seems so um, so prevalent. Anyway, let's leave um, let's leave that to one side. And this one is a bit sad. Ex Saigon Kick singer Matt Kramer blasts former bandmates over upcoming anniversary tour. My inbox is getting flood, uh, flooded congratulating me about the new Saigon Kick Tour. This tour is not including me. It's the 30-year anniversary of Jason. Sorry, this is brilliant, actually. It's the 30-year anniversary of Jason funneling hundreds of thousands of dollars of my personal publishing money that was demanded I not touch into the band so he could squeeze me out the band after I sang on a top 12 hit launching the band's uh, gigantic career, then meticulously left me out absolutely penniless and confiscated all my gear so I couldn't even do writing sessions for a new product project immediately following uh, to go on and record the album Water steal my vocal style mimicking me trying to pass it off uh, um, uh, as if I never left the band and the vocal sound I created for Saigon Kick first he stole all of my money then he stole my job and the fact he sings exactly like me is the ultimate robbery and a perfect example of why being a thief and absolute backstabbing maniac makes you win in the music business Zero respect for anyone on that tour. Definitely bitter, but it's more about the transparency. 30 years later, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Support the good ones, root out the evil. Fucking hell. I mean, that is fucking hard, isn't it? As uh, I'm sure Jamie Jaster would say. Well, that was, um, you know, that was all Mr. Kramer, the singer, and Jason Beeler fires back. Maybe it's a new Marvel character called Super Victim. I know we are all looking forward to that on the big screen, Jason wrote. I hear the, I hear the pilot is about a guy who, no matter what happens or is shown to them, regardless of any facts, accepts no responsibility for anything in their own life or career. And somehow, even though they claim to be the most talented person in the room, never actually achieve anything of note in 35 years. Even though they are ignored by ne nearly everyone and no one with first-hand knowledge ever says anything publicly back to, uh, to back them up. Does our hero stop? 
hell to the no. You have to admire someone banging their head on a wall for 35 years and blaming the wall. I'm hoping he's uh, he's played by Daniel Day-Lewis or Joaquin Phoenix. It will be the most challenging role to show no action, no achievements, no accomplishments, not one single bit of forward momentum, just an ever-present um, pooty pre-cry lower lip, <laughs> pouty pre-cry lower lip. I mean, how do you emote nothingness and have it translate on the big screen? The climax may be a scene where our protagonist is in the th in therapy and the doctor says show me on the doll where the music music industry hurt you he continued the darkest part of the movie is when our hero whips up a little online hate group with nothing to back it up for people with no first-hand knowledge other than his verbal diarrhea we enter a dark time where all it takes is one deranged person to put someone or their friends or family at risk. Maybe we skip that part. I mean, that's how some of our heroes met an unfortunate end and what a sane person would put the, that an energy into that universe. Maybe, yeah, it continues. Maybe the movie ends with an anti-hero, the evil scumbaginator, coming into the room and saying, if you, have, uh, if you have an issue, a real man would deal directly with people and attempt to correct it. Failing that, you would seek legal remedies. Super victim, trademark. It's time for you to put up or shut up. We have hundreds of pages of facts, first-hand witnesses and everything corroborated. But because we are not pre-teens on TikTok, we have never released or posted it. Then, with a sympathetic look, the scumbaginator, trademark, looks back and says, I hope you go on and do something truly great, truly super, which is absolutely fucking brilliant. Super victim, I wish you well. Surely someone would want to work with somebody so brilliantly influential, blameless and up upstanding. End scene. And it suddenly becomes apparent that scumbaginator, the not bass player and the angry drummer <laughs> were the heroes all along. It's like Sixth Sense, but instead of dead people, our star has, <laughs> has a complaint and would like to see the manager. Like a male Karen or MK for short. Catchphrase for the scumbaginator. If you have mistaken 35 years of my silence for weakness, when all along it has simply been pity, catchphrase for super victim. I'll never be back. <laughs> Said like an Arnold accent. I mean, Jesus Christ, he really has fucking gone to town there, hasn't he? I th yeah, wow. So you can see there why I um, I wanted you all to, uh, <laughs> to know about that story. I mean, fucking hell. All these years later, bands arguing about shit. It's, it's, it's a given, isn't it? It really is. It's always going to fucking happen. Sorry, just had to do a little bit of a pause there. Um, had a phone call and had to take it. Not that um, that's of any interest to you. So anyway, that concludes the news. Now, what I'm going to go into is the my favourite albums of 2023, of which there was a top 10 until I realised... Well, I, I basically, I've got a page up of each one, um, you know, so I've got access to track list, etc., and, um, and it turns out one of them came out in 2022. <laughs> so, um, genuine fuck up there. So it's a top nine. The album, uh, by the way, that, uh, that I fucked up with was He Is Legend, Endless, Endless Hallway, for some reason. I mean, I remember that being my top five last year now, but for some reason I'd got that down in my top ten this year. So there you go. I mean, it's so good, it's made it into the top albums of, uh, of two years in a row. Well, it kind of hasn't, so it's now a top nine um right let's get stuck in shall we this please bear in mind is in no particular order none whatsoever 
right? Um, but the first album on the list is um, a real surprise. This is a band I had never heard of up until last year. Um, and how I heard of them was I got um, a message to the Acid Rain group and it was from a guy saying, uh, hi there, um, we are a band. We've been going quite a few years, got a few albums out. This is the first one with vocals. We're all big Acid Rain fans, big influence. And um, it, 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 here's, a, here's a link, be really interested to see what you think. And um, which, like, I, I, I mean, you know, playing to my ego or what, you know, we're all big fans of Acid Rain. Well, in that case, mm -hmm, of course, I'm going to give it a listen. And um, as I've probably mentioned before, sometimes that really can be a double edged sword. You know, sometimes it's the case of you listen and you think, oh, my God, really? I'm not hearing the influence. Not only that, but um, have we really inflicted th this band on the world? <laughs> No names, no, not mentioning anyone. Um, I, I, no one springs to mind, to be honest. So um, I downloaded it and I had a listen. And immediately I was like, oh, awesome. They sound nothing like Acid Rain. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, you'd think my ego would work the other way around. But I just thought, wow, that's, this, is, this is awesome. They, they sound nothing like Acid Rain. This is like completely different, and it is. They, they, it, this is essentially a um, a prog album. But for for please, for do not if you're not into prog, do not start going. Oh right, okay, yeah, forget that one then. Not interested because there is there's loads of killer riffs in this, um, and it was it, a major surprise. Bought the CD um, because you've got to support your fellow artists, especially when you know, over the years they've bought your stuff. Um, so pre-ordered the CD, I got to go and see them um, in London. It was one of my, it was well, it was in my top two favorite shows of the year. The other one was Censor, speaking to Hatem later. Um, just a brilliant live show. And you know what? Really, really, um, that gig, so it's a tiny little gig at the, at the Black Heart in London. And it just made me rediscover the joy of going to see bands in tiny venues. And I just stood right between the middle of the PA, like in the perfect spot to get a decent sound. And the sound was great that night. And I just absolutely loved it. Absolutely loved it. And watching them all go at it. Um, first gig for ages, you know, and, and they just came on and absolutely rocked the joint. It was fucking brilliant and um and the album should probably mention the album and the album is absolutely wonderful and i haven't mentioned the band the band are the fierce and the dead um it's a fantastic album um and and you know what it's called uh, news from the invisible world now given what they'd said in their message and like chatting to them obviously i had them on the show last year as you all know um this album has landed in just about every single prog top 10 there is in the UK. So don't take my word for it, kids. Take a proper music journalist's word for it. Um, it's absolutely cracking. From the very moment it starts with a song called The Start. I mean, come on. you got to love it, haven't you? Um, first track in Shake the Jar reminds me of um, 
the only decent era of Queens of the Stone Age, which is Songs for the Deaf. But that is, that's neither here nor there. Because we're going on a journey, folks. Every song could be by a different band, but it fucking works. They have just meshed everything together and created this fucking beast of an album, which I absolutely love. Oh, in fact, here's some, um, here's some quotes I'm going to read you. Switching from metal to prog, surf and avant-garde, ambitious and grandiose stuff delivered impeccably. I mean, I've read that terribly. Let's do that again. Switching from metal to prog, surf and avant-garde, it's ambitious and grandiose stuff delivered impeccably. There you go. Now, that's, that's pretty much a writer's way of saying what I just said, right? The band combines massive riffs of shoegaze, metal and stoner rock properties, all enveloped in a progressive structure to create an engaging and hard-hitting piece. I'd say that's that's more accurate. Overwordy, but hey, if you're a journalist, that's what you fucking paid for, isn't it? Uh, being overwordy. So, yeah, don't take my word for it. Take their word for it as well. Really, really, really do recommend... Um, sorry, News from the Invisible World by The Fierce and the Dead who, if you go to their social media if you're lucky, you might be able to pick up a ticket for one of the very few shows that they are doing to support this album, so if you in any way think it sounds interesting, go listen now, maybe at the end of the podcast not just yet, you might miss out on some more stuff but go listen and if you in any way are thinking, wow this is rocking Go and see if they are playing near you and get yourself a ticket because you will not regret it. In fact, you'll probably message me and thank me for it. So that is the first of my top 10 albums of the year. Again, can't stress enough that this is not in order. Next up, well, I liked the first album in this series and I really like the second album in this series and I'm really glad that I've got to bring this up because um, yeah I fucked up here um, the album is uh, from Devil Driver the album is Dealing With Demons Volume 2 and it is a fucking ripper it's one of those albums that creeps up on you you know what it's like when you get an album and you think yeah this is this is alright this I don't mind this yeah this, this is good yeah this ticks all the boxes then you listen to it again and you go yeah that is good isn't it and again and again and then after a while you're like do I appreciate how good this album is? Because, like, I seem to be playing it a lot. Maybe it's just me, yeah? But sometimes it takes quite a long while for me to go, no, do you know what? This is really, really, really good. And was released in 2023, so that's a, it's a relief to me. I've got the right year. Um, a fantastic album, a really fantastic album. Des, to this day, was one of my favourite guests to have on the podcast whilst he was driving round. Um, which was really cool. And I did mention on the on the anniversary episode that his wife had passed away. Yeah, that's right. I killed her off. Like some like some evil life real life movie director. Like some sort of god. I um I killed off his wife. Thank you very much to the person who got in touch over social media and said, I think you'll like she's still alive. <laughs> I really appreciate that, mate. Um and I don't know what it is either about me or social media or whatever it is, but only one person got in touch to say, uh, yeah, you fucked up there, mate. Um, now, whether or not I come across like somebody who is not going to take um, 
having um, errors pointed out very well or whether just nobody could be fucking arsed. I, I don't know. But I did think that was quite funny. Certainly not funny that I made that mistake. Anyway, um, the album kicks off with I Have No Pity, which is just like a classic Devil Driver opener. Look, I've got a soft spot for Devil Driver. I really, really have. Um they, I, I think they're hugely underrated and I think Dez's place in the industry is fucking awesome it really is um, he's like um, he's like an, um, he's like Jamie Jaster but not annoying do you know what I mean um, without the podcast and without the horrific um, Viagra substitute adverts he's um, you know he's I, I, I'm, look, I, know, I know I'm having a laugh about Jamie but he's also an incredible person who does a hell of a lot for the scene I mean he's fucking saved and brought back the Milwaukee Metal Fest what have I done fucking recently not a lot so fair fucks to Jamie and I, he's an easy target and it's a bit lazy of me to um, to constantly aim at him um, and uh, hopefully you know hopefully people realise that I am being light hearted I'm backtracking now aren't I because I'm really I'd love to have Jamie in the podcast but I don't think that's ever going to happen and why would it when he's got his own uh, which is a lot more successful than mine so yeah there's that um, so um, Des, yeah, great. And yeah, he was driving around with his wife in the car. Turns out she's not dead. Well, that's good, isn't it? I have no pity. Cracking Oprah. Um, there's an awesome, there's just, just so many awesome tunes on this. Nothing Lasts Forever. Um, Bloodbath is a particular favourite. Um, and also something that I've played quite a lot on my uh, Radio Bollocks show, which is the closer on the album called This Relationship Broken. I just love, I love, just, I, that is an awesome song title. Brilliant phraseology. Um, obviously, all of the performances rip. Des is great. There's some very cool lyrics on it. Some very cool lyrics. And I just, again, I like, I like the, um, I like the balls, the fact that he's come out and gone, look, right, we've done Dealing With Demons 1, and here's Dealing With Demons 2. And given everything he's all, you know, that he's been through, um, he's he's just kind of like basically poured it into two albums um, and it's just really impressive really really impressive if you're not a Devil Driver fan you know maybe th maybe this could be the album that changes your mind and then you you like you work backwards through the catalogue and you find some gems um, that's that's your call not mine but when it comes to when it comes to my favourite albums of the year uh, Devil Driver's in there you know, and it, and it's it's yeah, it rocks, it rocks for me. So next up, the the very last entrant into the list because it came out December the eighth, I think. But I got an advanced copy of it, and as soon as I I'd listened to it, I think maybe no more than two times, and I just like emailed the PR straight away and said, "Can I get somebody on, please?" Um, because I want to talk about this album. And they went, yep, no problem. Um, and that is going to be next month's... Uh, next month. It's going to be the next episode. The next episode will be with Zoltan from Ectomorph. Now, listeners to, again, Radio Bollocks, the patrons, um, know of my love for Ectomorph. I think I've mentioned them a few times on the podcast. Um, from Hungary... Um, very much sort of groove metal, think kind of like Hungarian Soulfly meets Sepultura. Um, it's not, it's not music that is going to make you go, "Wow!" Like this is uh, this has broadened my boundaries, but it is music 
that if you like the kind of thing they do, which I've seen a lot of it referred to as groove metal, which is interesting because for me there are there are definite sort of cross, crossovers with hardcore in there. Um, when it's like because there's there's a lot faster stuff on this than I than I kind of imagine that there is on most groove metal albums. Um, but one thing there is on this album is so much um, anger, a refreshing amount of anger for me. Um, not so much that, you know, you're like, oh, no, not another angry song. No, not that much. But also, given that this band have been around for 30 years, that's another reason why I wanted to get Zoltan on, because, you know, like, dude, you're fucking angry. 30 years in, very cool. What's, like, you know... Where's this anger coming from? What's the deal? Now, I'm not going to give anything away about the interview because I've already mentioned it in the last episode that it was it was one of, if not my favourite interview of last year. It's one of my favourite interviews that I've ever done and it's also one of the longest. Again, things I'm repeating from, um, from the last episode. But there's a reason for that and um, the depth behind this album, um, the anger in this album is all very understandable, um, even more so when you've, you know, when you listen to the interview but more importantly it's a rager for me it's um you, you stick it on and it just absolutely fucking kills from minute to end i think it's just over um 30 minutes and it's 10 tracks no you know there's no one's hanging around here no one um is hanging out is hanging around here it is just brutal from the opener i'm your last hope brackets the rope around your neck um to the closer which is rem um it is and in between there are some absolute awesome tracks uh you and me particular favorite um i don't belong to you never be the same again um and then the fucking frankly spooky slayer-esque vivid black um ectomorph vivid black it's a fucking stomper a rager. It sounds great. Two Madsen, um, sorry, probably most famous for working with um, Meshuggah. Um, he's worked with Ectomov since the very beginning. I, I mean, I really enjoy this album. And it, it came at me in December and I totally took me by surprise. Totally took me by surprise. Came out of left field. I was like, all oh, right, oh yeah, the new Ectomov. Oh, cool. Um, I haven't had a pre release of that before. And boom, it just came out of the speakers. I mean, I'm I'm pretty sure I listened to this. Well, the first time I listened to it, I then listened to it immediately again. Now, it's not often that happens. And that that is the sign of a fucking good album. And this is a fucking good album. There you go. Put that on a fucking poster. You're not getting any of your, oh, well, there's all sorts of, uh, there's all sorts of genres meshed together here beautifully, like a chef producing a perfect souffle. No. Howard says, it's a fucking good album. Um, so there you go. That is Ectomorph Vivid Black. So next up we have, well, you know what? The, the, the thing about this album is, it's, I should have known that it was going to be awesome, given that Michael Poulsen, who is responsible for creating a whole genre of metal, rockabilly metal, with Volbeat. I should have known that he's, he's always given his props to death metal. His guitar hero is Scott, is Chuck from, um, from Death. So I should have known that when he turned his hand to death metal, 
that it would be high quality. Well, fucking hell. Is it possible to be higher quality than I imagined it was going to be? Yes. So, As In Hell is the band. The album is called Impihora, or Impihora. I mean, either way, uh, you know, I don't know what it means. Probably should have looked it up, shouldn't I? Um, in fact, might do that now. Um, but it is just, yeah, it is, it's a proper album. It really is. It is a, I mean, what can I say um, other than um, after a few listens, I just sat there and realised that I just had this smile on my face. And the the smile on my face was the fact that I was pleased for a fellow musician. I'm not putting myself in the same bracket as Michael Poulsen. Please, okay? I would not do that. I, I have a little bit of self-awareness, okay? But I just had this... I was aware that I had this smile on my face. And the reason I was smiling was I was just pleased for a fellow musician who has done exactly what they've always wanted and pulled it off. Because this is a fucking classic, cracking death metal album. And when I say classic, I mean of the classic era. I mean, there are, you know, there are big nods um, to death along the way. There's also nods along the way to bands like Entombed, um, all sorts of other death metal bands. But mainly, mainly, um, uh, my favourite era of, of death, which is... But anyway, look, I'm, I, don't, I don't want to spoil it for you, OK? But if you are in any way a fan of death, you need to listen to this album and then you need to message me and thank me for making you aware of it. But you probably already knew, OK? By the way, Impihora is Latin for ungodly hour. So there you go. Personally, I'd have called it ungodly hour because Impihura just looks a bit fucking silly. But there you go. That's just me, isn't it? I'm not in the band or in Michael Poulsen's head, for that matter. Um, the fall, uh, fall of the Loyal Warrior. You can you can check the video out for that on YouTube anytime you like. Um, th- I mean, again, that is an awesome opener. Inner Sanctuside, what a tune. Island of Dead Men, brilliant. Trophies, great track. The Ultimate Sin, yeah, not a cover version of the Ozzy of the Aussie song. Um, it is just another classic death metal tune. Uh, Wolfpack Laws, Desert of Doom, um, Pyromantic Scryer, Impihora, and uh, well, the last track is not even worth mentioning because it's like it's not a song; it's nine seconds long. But anyway, every single tune has got something to love about it for me. Well, it's my it's my fucking top albums isn't it so obviously um i think i've played nearly every song off that album on uh my radio show i'm saying this a lot aren't i i'm not meaning to hammer the patreon thing so apologies if i am well i am so apologies um yeah it's just i think it is probably um let me see i mean it like death metal is not really something that i'm an expert in um well Another way of putting it is, like, I, I absolutely love death. And after that, for me, there's a really big drop-off. You know, I'm, I'm not a fan of obituary. I'm not a fan of a cannibal corpse. I'm not really a fan of blast beats. So for, for something like this to come along, this is, some, this is the kind of album that I have not 
had a feeling about this kind of music for a very, very, very long time. I just absolutely love it. The production is spot on. The vocals are fucking great. At times sound a little bit like Chuck. At times sound a lot like Chuck. <laughs> and at times don't sound like Chuck at all. Uh, really, really great. Um, really interesting drums as well. It's very easy on this kind of music to, um, for me, it's very easy for the, the drums to be a bit pedestrian. But no, it's like there is some really interesting stuff going on. Um, and just all round, this is just like, yeah, it made me smile. And um, it's many, many years since a death metal album made me smile. So yeah, that's that's an achievement. <laughs> Not one that anyone's gonna be actually bothered about, but there you go. Uh, next up was gonna be He Is Legend, Endless Hallway, but as previously mentioned, came out in 2022. Um, so, after that, well, you know, anybody who listens regularly, anybody who uh, knows me knows that I am an absolute total, have been for many years, prong fan. And it's been far too long waiting for prong. Oh, I'm sorry, I couldn't resist. Um, but it was worth the wait. State of emergency, it's, it's classic prong. It really is. And as I said to Tommy himself, it's like there's there's tracks on here that could have been on the last well it could they could have come off any prong album it's almost like it's almost like if they'd taken one song off all their albums and then and re-recorded them and put the album out it would be like this now that's that's that is a compliment okay that's not meant to sound probably as shitty as it does that is because it, it you get the idea i've done a bad i've done a bad description there I did a lot better description when talking to Tommy and such a good description that um, that I, I saw a video with him <laughs> where he says that, where he says virtually exactly what I said. Um, he's talking about the album and he says, well, you know, a lot of people are saying that it sounds like there could be a song off of all of our albums on this one. And, um, and the weird thing is that Tommy is also dressed exactly the same as he was when I spoke to him and he's in his house so I don't know I don't know if it was me first or look either way either way you know it's cool because this album is very very cool prong state of emergency there are um there's some interesting lyrics because there always is with prong there's and there's you know as always you know there's there's songs where you're like oh that's the single that's the catchy prong tune yeah great great chorus you're going to be walking around the house humming going what is that who is that what is it oh it's prong in it uh there's some some great uh really sort of weird varied stuttering tunes on there typical classic prong using um real kind of um offbeat rhythms to sort of throw you and then get you back and throw you again um, there is some uh, classic kind of Tommy, um, uh, what can I say, um, Venom. He's on there. There's some classic spleen being vented. And um, really, look, if you like Prong, then, you know, you've probably already got this album. Um, if you are not into Prong, this this is an album, as previously mentioned, about, you know, all the different styles and all the different vibes they've had over the years all being on one album this is a good place to start this is as good a place to start as any um it's that good 
it is that good I was in no and with some with something like prong there's always the the trap that um with a new album coming out that I can't stop myself having high expectations and as we all know high expectations ruin things because that's why I don't watch trailers for movies uh, utterly pointless you know, friends oh the new so-and-so trailers out Pfft, really why the fuck would you watch that why would you watch key parts of the movie before you've seen the movie and all it does is play into your expectations so raised expectations is always a difficulty but with this bastard oh expectations delivered prong state of emergency this next album is in my list despite the fact i've been listening to all the songs on it for a good couple of years that's because i had the demos of this album a couple of years ago and that's because um kelly schaefer he of atheist and till the dirt was kind enough to send them to me absolutely blew me away this is the album of those demos till the dirt outside the spiral um yeah high expectations well and could have none higher than already having every song in demo form um but they've all benefited from better production um and the album just kills this is one of the most original things that you will hear from 2023 this is essentially death metal at times blended with stuff like Alice in Chains, um, Soundgarden, um, even Mastodon to give it a more, you know, a, a more recent influence. There is real, well, just like the title track Outside the Spiral is like absolute pure intensity screaming death metal with a chorus that, you know, it, it reminds me of like Soundgarden. You know, it's 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 insane. Maybe also, without even knowing it, there's little bits of uh, little sort of Gajira in there as well. That 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 kind of vibe. So as you can appreciate from everything I'm saying and everything I'm mentioning, this is this is a, a work of art. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's no small statement, and I mean it. Um, and it is the first work of art that I'm going to mention because there's another another couple coming um it's it's so it's so original that some it, that it's going to throw quite a few people and i'm really hoping that this doesn't go the way of most of atheists back catalogue and that it gets appreciated 10 years too fucking late um it deserves it really deserves some appreciation. It really does, because it is a fucking... Uh, again, I think this could be a classic. I think this could be one of those albums where people go, wow. Unfortunately, I think this could be one of those albums that um, other bands who get much more success name-check in years to come. I really hope that's not the case, but it is that good. And if you like anything I've said about it, then you should check out um, Outside the Spiral, by Till the Dirt. Um, and of course, yeah, it's fucking great. And so is Kelly. Go back and listen to the interviews. Now, here's a band I've never interviewed, but I did see live, um, I think last year, and I was a bit disappointed, but I now realise it was probably more me than it was them. 
Um, and that is yet another fucking brilliant album from Haken. H-A-K-E-N. If you haven't heard of Haken, if you don't know who Haken are, then fucking hell, I can't help you. Where have you been? Get your head out your arse. Um, they, they put out an album in lockdown called Virus, for fuck's sake. It came out just before Virus, and it's about a pandemic. These guys, what the fuck? How did they know? Um, that's an absolute classic album. And so is this. I mean, every single song kills. And there is some long fucking songs on this because this is the highest quality prog you could possibly imagine. I mean, they are one of Mike Portnoy's favourite bands. When Mike Portnoy needed a band to do a project with, yeah, he asked if the if the Haken's drummer wouldn't mind stepping down and basically used the whole band. Yeah, they are that fucking good. Um, from the opener, Taurus, um, which is just a Haken classic, the opening, the first single um, from this album was The Alphabet of Me. And I heard like the first, and I was like, oh, I'm really not sure about this. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm getting the album anyway. So I only listened to about a minute of it and I was like, oh, it'll make sense when I listen to the album. But it really left me with a kind of feeling of, oh, I'm really not sure. I, of course, I should have shut the fuck up. You know, like Haken don't know what they're doing. Honestly, if I if I didn't like this album, it would be my fault. And as it turns out, I love it. Absolutely love it. The only song that I'm like not totally, absolutely in love with is the closing track, which is bizarre. But you know what? I'll probably apologise at some point during the year for not getting that sooner and admit that that's brilliant as well. But it is a wonderful, wonderful album. And to use that phrase, you know, work of art again, Jesus, that's the perfect phrase for this album because it is a work of art. There is just so much in there. There's so much depth. There is so... And, and you know, yes, it's prog, okay. But again, it's, it's fucking quality from beginning to end. There are huge riffs in this. There are massive choruses. There is so much to fucking love in here. There is... I, honestly, if you are into metal... You have absolutely no reason to not try and listen to this album and give it a... And I, and I reckon, you know, that there are at least two songs on there that even if you absolutely detest prog, there are two songs on there where you're going to have to go, yeah, fair enough, because they're, you know, they're, they're under four minutes and you just have to go, yeah, well, okay, fine. Yeah, they do know what they're doing. They are good songs. So, yeah, Haken, Fauna, for fuck's sake, check it out. And finally, the final work of art, my last album that's on my favourites of 2023. I rediscovered Avenged Sevenfold. Yeah, I know. I have not uh, listened to Avenged Sevenfold or got any of their stuff for well over 15 years, if not longer than that. Uh, I mean, well, this is their eighth album. I think I bowed out after album number two. So it's been a while. First of all, I, I saw a clip of a video on YouTube and straight out the gate, I just thought, that sounds interesting. That sounds like a sound I haven't heard before. I mean, like by anybody, not just by Event Sevenfold. So I did some digging and I did some digging. What? Like, uh, I had to do some fucking research. I got the album. 
um and it's the first album uh, and probably the only album of the whole year that actually challenged me that just made me go right you actually need to pay attention here because this like you, you can't just skate over this you can't just sort of listen to it in the car this is a proper sit down and get your head around it album um now the reason why i love it so much is also the reason why some people will hate it a lot um it's not particularly linear there are many parts to it that are um odd some of the songs to most ears will not make any sense in fact to my ears they don't make any sense but i still like them i mean i'm somebody who always bang bangs on about the craft of songwriting and some of these songs fly in the face of the craft of songwriting they really do it feels like it's bits and pieces of songs glued together and stuck together as one song that is a perfectly valid observation and criticism but i don't fucking care i just fucking like it and i don't know why i it just it i don't know for some reason it just grabbed me and i i could easily sit here and and point out all the things that are wrong with it and why i shouldn't like it and why it doesn't work but i do like it and it does work for me but i can well imagine um people not enjoying it and that's another part of why i like it so much because the whole album is a massive fucking risk the whole album is basically a band who have got to a level where they've kind of gone do you know what let's just do an album for us we're going to lose a load of fans but we're so big we can afford to lose a load of fans and the ones that we keep well they're the ones that matter and they're the ones that we that that we can progress with and that'll be our fan base from now on and those who don't like this album well you know sorry but it's your time to get off the train you know um i mean and they've done all sorts of real guerrilla stuff on um on this uh, on this album i mean they hacked their own website and said that their tour was cancelled and the manage management shat themselves and going fucking hell you've been hacked it says the and then uh, the band left it for about a week or something and then and then told the management that it was it was them and they'd done it <laughs> i bet the record company were fucking really happy about that um and i can also i can just imagine i can just imagine the you know avenge sevenfold's a and r man bearing in mind that this is this is the first um album that they've put out since they settled their legal case so they've spent a lot of time in court They've also all done mushrooms. Um, and it says here, uh, Avenged, uh, Avenged eighth studio album, Life is But a Dream, is best served as a whole and consumed en masse to truly appreciate its music musical breadth and sonic depth. Well, that's a great way of describing what I was saying about it's a bit fucked up and it's all over the place. Written and recorded over the span of four years. Yeah. The album is a journey through an existential crisis, a very personal exploration into the meaning and purpose and value of human existence, anxiety of death always looming. Especially for a band, obviously, who've lost, um, you know, lost a member and who was clearly, you know, a very close friend. So, it is risky. It is um, all over the place. It is self-indulgent. It doesn't give a fuck. And... I love it, absolutely love it. I wondered initially if this album would stand the test of time with me. 
it has very much so done that and it again very much falls into the category of a work of art and um uh yeah it's just well i kind of said all i've got to say about that haven't i really i really have it's enough of me jabbering on fucking hell way too much of me jabbering on it's time for a little chat now this is proper old school the irony is not lost on me it, the irony of the fact that the podcast is 10 years old and I am now going to uh, play a recording of an interview that sounds like I've learned nothing from my years of recording interviews because it's back to the old days. I'm in a dressing room. There's a fair amount of background noise. My apologies, but we're in a dressing room. It's unedited as always. It's not the greatest quality. It's, it could almost be 10 years ago. OK, but like I said, you've got to have somebody else on this podcast other than me. So this is myself and Hatem from the fucking UK legends that are censor having a chat at the 100 Club on Oxford Street just before Christmas. Better. Tell me. Yeah, that is better. <laughs> that was better. <laughs> Yeah, that's fine, mate. That's fine. Okay, as long as we can hear each other. Yeah, exactly. Um, so uh, let's just get straight into it. Um, it's been a while. I don't know how long it is, but Since it's been a while. We've seen each other. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a. I, do you know what? Last time it was like, yeah, let's do, let's let's do some gigs together. We're, we're bound to do some gigs together. And then I think about a couple of years passed, and then there was a pandemic, and yeah. everybody's wondering whether they were going to have a band anymore. And yeah, it's insane. It took us a really long time to wind back into it. Yeah, I had some health issues. I had oh, I'm sorry, yeah, that. Oh, it's okay. It's just well, they fixed it because I live in France, and they just fixed it. I had a benign tumor between the wall of my skull and my brain. Wow! And they fucking took it out, and they fixed it. It's amazing. Wow. That's um, so. Um, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, a little sketchy on the details. But that's. I mean, I'm I'm hearing tumor, and as soon as you hear that, you just think. Yeah, it does make you panic. Yeah, yeah, it's slightly. And I was going to ask if you're still living in France. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, still there. And how was? How did they? How did they deal with the with the pandemic? I mean, pretty oh, much the same as strictly. us. Really, yeah. It was more strict. There was like house arrest for a long right. time it looks like that that scene in uh, goodfellas where they're all uh, they're in prison you know but they're eating really well yeah. remember that scene <laughs> yeah like frying the, cutting the garlic with a razor blade dude and... a, ma- a man after my own heart we've got the same cultural references yeah <laughs> yeah it was like that i felt like that i had like lots of beautiful wine and really nice food but um yeah they really locked it down hard over there so yeah yeah we yeah, we like, and the people, the, when it first started, there were people above me in my building and below me who had COVID. So it was pretty, you know, you could hear the ambulances blasting past. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it hit quite hard, but they really made a big effort to lock it down. Yeah, it seems like, seems like another, well, it was another world, but it seems like so long ago as yes. well. It's really weird. Mm. I can't believe it was like three years because it just seems so long. I mean, I've, I think I've only just got out of lockdown in the last six or nine months. Right. Just mentally. Mo- yeah, yeah. Mentally moving on from it. Yeah. Um, no, it got. I think I jumped pretty quickly out of it, but 
the rest of the world seemed to take a long time and like this sort of stuff took a while to pick up again well that's why that's why i was that's what was doing my head in most of all was the mm. the fact that even you know when slash if what we do comes back yeah it's going to be the last thing yeah right it's going to yeah. be the last fucking thing yeah so everybody else is going oh i'm back to work and we're like yeah no sign of that <laughs> yeah I was really lucky also that my work I managed to, this, you know, because I teach at, at, at like art schools in, in Paris, I have like a, this other kind of world of stuff that I do, so that stuff I maintained all the right. way through, so that was good, and it was really cool for people yeah. to have that sort of, yeah, like it was hard for musicians, if that's all you were doing, then, being able, you know, it was, it was, I mean, I'm sort of telling everybody the obvious now, but it was a nightmare for musicians, I think. Oh, absolutely. Well, I, I mean, I was, it was, I mean, I, everything I do is like, you know, the music, stand up, uh, whatever. Yeah, it's people. all performance. Yeah. And yeah, it's just kind of like, I mean, I got to do a shitload of podcasts. Yes. Um, that must have flourished. Yeah, it, it did, but it was really weird. I, I kind of um, sparked up some weird friendships as well, like, I, I could, you could, because everybody was available, mm. you know. So, um, I, it's like, yeah, I ended up, um, uh, Dog Aldridge, like the famous rock drummer, like, you know, he's played with like Alice Cooper and, okay. us, and like, we ended up doing like two, three hour podcasts to, just Amazing. talking about all sorts of stuff. Yeah, having someone like that who's just dis at your disposal to talk is amazing. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. It, was, it was just, it was, it was really strange, but um, it was, it, you know, it, it's, it's done, we're, but we're all back yeah. out, we're all, we're all made we're it through, we're, we're, we're safe and we're back yeah. in business. And um, I just wonder what, uh, what your plans are moving forward. Uh, yeah, well, after tonight. <laughs> so there's so next year is going to be the 30th anniversary of our first album, Census first album. Right. So there's going to be, and there's it's going to coincide with, a new, hopefully it, well, well there's a new record that's recorded that needs oh, to be mixed. Right. Um, yeah. That's good news. Uh, what else can I say? Yeah, well, there's a new Lodestar record, which is oh, right. Remember that band? Yes. Yeah, so that's there's a. Uh, yeah, there's a record. That record is mixed. We we'll probably need to. Could you close that for us, Tom? Yeah. Thanks, mate. So that um that record mixed. There's a couple of um videos. There should be like three videos ready when that comes out, probably early next year. Um, I knew yeah. Lodestar record that. Yeah, that's, yeah, a, that's yeah. a surprise. Yeah. And when you say remember, do you know what? You've just you've just reminded me. Um, I think we talked about this last time, mate. Yeah, I saw you supporting Tool. With, with, with Lodestar or with yeah. Fiend? Because I've supported support with a couple of bands. Really? It was with Lodestar? Okay. At the Astoria? So that's like in the 90s. Yeah. yeah. At the Astoria. The Astoria Theatre, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And you well, that's where... I think you came on and, I think you came on and did some, some vocals with Tool as well. It's quite possible. I've, I've done it a couple of times. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, uh... That's that was a, yeah that was a great time. I, we toured with them on the Enema tour, I think. <laughs> yeah, and that was just magic. Yeah, man. Yeah. That was that was amazing. That was a, every gig that was at the Astoria seems amazing now. You know. Sorry. Every gig that was on the uh, the Astoria seems amazing now. Yeah, yeah. I remember there was like Slayer did multiple nights at the Astoria. Yeah. I saw we saw yeah then 
we saw things like uh, Pantomaster there and uh, Mike Patton's bands like Tomahawk. And yeah. It was I just some amazing bands. I saw, um, so Slipknot's first ever UK show there. Yes. I watched it. I stood next to Bjork watching it, which amazing. is just like weird. Um, it is like really strange coming out of Tottenham Court Road Station now, and just it does just. Well, you're in your story, aren't you? That's where I came out to come come here tonight. Yeah. And it is, it's just kind of like it's just gone. Yeah. Uh, they sort of. Well, we lost two venues as well. We, we lost LA. Well, we lost. We lost LA too. LA too. The underground. The un- venue, underworld. Which is underworld. Cool as hell. <laughs> the underground underworld. We still got that. Oh, uh, sorry, not the kind of uh, the borderline. Borderline. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm. No, it's ridiculous. It is. It's ridiculous. But that's um, why I really like coming to this place because it's like one of the last bastions of like this type of anything. Where, a venue where you can have anything. Yes. In the centre of London, in Oxford Street. Yeah. So I love it. Yeah, there's so much history with this place as mm. well, isn't it? I mean, it, like everyone who's anyone who's played it. Yeah, I mean, it starts in the jazz, London Soho jazz era, yeah. as far as I know, and then yeah, it goes through all the '60s and the punk bands. It's just everything, everything. Yeah, yeah. So I'm keen to get back to um, to what made you dip into the lodestar world again. Find a wall. Just like uh, Haggis wrote some cool little bits of music and we were like this sounds great so me him and Johnny got together and just like like put our parts to it and then he redid his parts so it just we made a record like we decided we were going to make a record and then we got this girl Charlie Beddows who is in the band called Rub Ultra. I don't know if you remember them. Um, London vaguely sort of, rings a bell. Yeah, they were one of the only bands that were experimenting with sort of kind of some sort of funk and riffs in the nineties. <laughs> yeah, really. right. Yeah, there weren't a lot of people doing that, really. They were just one of the early precursors of that sort of trying to do grooves and riffs at the same yeah. time. So yeah, they were great, and she's a fucking brilliant bass player, so she's playing bass on it. Uh, no, she's playing bass live. She's done a little bit on the record, but we kind of did that before she arrived. But yeah, so that's really exciting. Um, so yeah, there's a lot going on. I just did a track with Mike Ladd, like a poet-rapper guy. I did a, some recordings with Dylan Carlson from Earth. Oh, right. Yeah, because I'm a big fan of him, yeah, a good friend, he's a good friend. Um, I've done some recording with this lady called Yaz Ahmed, who's a trumpet, flugelhorn player. I wow. And I just like making interesting music, so yeah. as a matter of just collaborating with lots of different people, writing, I like to write, so I'm on the, still writing my second novel. Well, it's not a novel, it's short stories, but second book well it's, fun, it's funny you should bring up writing because I um, this is going to sound like I'm name dropping but I'm not um, it's alright to name drop cool. okay good right well I, I got to interview my, my hero who is um, Fish from Marillion because um, I fell in love with words I fell in love with his words as much as the music and when we were talking he said really casually I'm a writer who can sing I'm not a singer who can write I mean, I'm, 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 you know and it just hit me that it's like, that's me. I've, I've never felt comfortable with putting myself as a singer because it's, 
about the words. It's like okay. I've still got members in the band who are like, you know, what melody have you got in mind for this? And like, I just wrote the words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, wasn't so think, I wasn't thinking about the words. Yes. Yeah. It's like I wasn't thinking about. Yeah. It's more important to get the words right. Saying. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And um, go on. And, and that that was kind of like a bit of a moment for me. So now when anyone brings it up, I'm kind of like, what are you? Mm. Are you a singer who can write, or are you a well, writer who can sing? Very recently, uh, my friend helped me out with this exact question because like. He said, you don't have to do any of that. You can just say you're a multimedia artist and it, it, it doesn't matter. You just do what you want. Because right, yeah. you don't have to constantly be justifying what you're doing. You know, there are lots of people like that that we know of who have been in bands. And, you know, it, it's really... Yeah, you, if you call yourself that, then you can live up to that. Just like, then you don't have to be limited to being this or that. Because like, I stopped from the very beginning. I started off doing rap music, and then I became a singer, and then you know, it's just. I don't. I just. So then I had to call myself a vocalist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Because you don't think of yourself as a singer. Yeah, but it's just like. I'm not going to say I'm a rapper. It, 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 in the end, it was very convenient. I know it comes from some people like Laurie Anderson and David Byrne. They just said, I'm a multimedia artist. Yeah. So you don't have to keep explaining yourself. It's like, yeah. I do what I've you know, I fucking want. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> I just found it, I found it kind of comforting because mm. it was, I, I could never, I could never reason with it. I mean, I always said I love doing everything other than the physical act of singing, which was just a bit of a bind. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And I, was like, I could never kind of get my head around it. I mean, those days are gone and I enjoy it more now. But I'm I'm the first one to say, do we really need vocals in this book? Right. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't have that singer, yeah. oh, I'm gonna sing on this. It's like, no, no, no. Like, it's the song. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever you do always has to serve a piece of whatever, you know? Yeah. The idea of you know, one of my friends coined the term like the LSD, the lead singer's disease. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's um, once you're aware of that, you're like, oh yeah. It did. You, you can just let go of it and just do whatever serves the music. Yeah. Do whatever serves the piece. Whatever you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I, it, it's just that I always, I always want to. If I'm listening to music, even if I'm making the music. I want to hear it through the listeners' ears because I'm a fan. You know, you're a fan first, aren't you? That's why you get in a band because yeah, just playing it's not that's enough. The, you know, just listening to it's not enough. Got to, got to get in there. That's the right reason to be like, you know, a, a fan of music, and then to think, well, what would I like to hear? Yeah, that's it. What would I really like to hear? Yeah, absolutely. What kind of rep, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I was having a discussion with um, our guitarist. We're working on an album at the moment. And there's this, there's this little section, and it's, there's just a chord hang, and the vocals come in, and he's like, there needs to be, there needs to be like, a, 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 like even if it's just a tap hi hat in the back, in, in the background. It's like, why? He says because otherwise it leaves it hanging, and you don't know what the timing is. It's like you're a musician. Yeah. That's why you think like that. But normal people. Yeah. Yes. No, yeah, yeah. no listeners aren't going to sit there and going, oh, I wonder what timing this is coming yeah, in at. Exactly. It doesn't work like that. If you can count it, then whatever it is, you, you can make it work. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they're not sat there going, oh, this chord's hanging. I wonder what timing they're going to come in on. Yeah. It's like no, they're just waiting for whatever's next. 
things. Does it work? Does it sound good? Does it sound yeah. right? Does it do? Its, does it, is it? Does it function? That's the kind of art world word. You know, think about it. Does it? Does it make the hair stand up on end? Yeah. Does it give you? Does it take you somewhere? There's a million ways to sort of express that thing. Yeah. My friend who's a philosopher. Uh, he wrote the foreword to my book. He's a very old friend. He talks about the sublime. You know, like when you're standing in front of the Grand Canyon, you're facing the sublime. It's something that's just larger than yourself. But with music, it doesn't have to be large or small. It can be the sublime in music. Is like it can be anything that gives you that weird feeling of goosebumps or transportive thing. Like so, yeah. That's it's much more. It's it's a uh, whatever can take you towards that. Yeah, it's yeah. great. I find myself as I get older having more visceral emotional reactions to music mm. than than I did when I was younger. It basically I can be moved to tears yeah. a, a, a lot easier than, than I used to be, and it hits me right, a lot so harder. I, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm it's, I I've got an album in lockdown, and it's like. Just, it was just genius, and it, it just—I had to just sit down, you know. Yeah. And and I, I, I think I, I attribute it to getting older because that's the only—I think that's possibly yeah, yeah, what it is. A bit of that, but yeah, might just be that. Yeah, might, maybe. Maybe there's, I remember there's certain. Yeah, there are certain pieces of music that you, I can't. I tried to. My friend wanted to do a cover of "I See a Darkness" by Bonnie Prince Billy and wanted me to play guitar on it. And I'm trying to learn it, and I just can't get through one. Can't get through it once without falling. I can't do it. It's just because it's like it's. It's like he's speaking in this way that just makes you. It's your. It's like it's like you speaking. Yeah. And it's like oh shit, you know, you're completely vulnerable. Yeah. So. Yeah. And I'm I'm such a pain when I find something like that as well. I've got to tell everybody I know. Mm. You know, I've got to I've, I've got to sh- I've got to share, share it, it. Mm. because I kind of feel you feel like you've discovered this thing and it is it's so good mm-hmm. that. It, it's your job to make sure that other people get to hear this as well. It's very, you know, it's very, I can, it's, um, yeah. uh, it's very preachy, but you know, it's, it's, I don't know, it's what I've, what I've always done. I think it, there's, it's just something about music that, that makes me want to share it with people. Mm-hmm. And especially if you discover something special that you just want to, yeah, you, it's kind of like you almost want to improve people's lives. It sounds terrible, doesn't it? Well, it doesn't sound terrible. Is it, it's just that music has so many functions and has so many, can be so many things to so many people. So like, sometimes what you want is something that's just brutal. Something that's just like, you know. Yeah, something that just hits you over the head. Yeah, or you want something that's just really, you know, obscene or something that's re- really like, you know, like, I'm just thinking of like the birthday party where it's like it's not they're not trying to make you happy you know they're not trying to make you you know they don't give a fuck about that you know 
uh, or you know, there's there's a lot to be said for good for just a good old pop song as well. Of course, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, someone was talking about it. I think, no, no, it was me that was talking about that. It's like it's like food, you know. Sometimes you just want to eat bubble gum, you know, and chew bubble gum. Sometimes you want like some really wholesome thing that's just gonna like warm you. Sometimes you want to like fast food. It just, yeah, it's really like that feeling. I, I'm someone that really likes food, so I definitely see a connection. You're in the you're in the right country then. <laughs> in, in France, yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely. I think England's got way better in the last twenty years as well. It used to be pretty nightmarish in the nineties, yeah, but now you can eat fairly well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, London especially. Yes, you know, London especially. Definitely. But as we all know, London is a country of its own that, uh, that exists separately from the rest of uh, the, the UK. Think, though, yeah. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Um, we went up to Boston to play. Uh, but Boston Lincolnshire. Uh, is it Lincolnshire or Lancashire? It's Lincolnshire, yeah. Yeah. Yes. And uh, yeah, it's a different world. Yeah. Different. Like it's really cool though. I mean, it's a beautiful old town. Uh, but yeah, it's like it's you know when you're used to hanging out in London, you just like oh, yeah. Yeah. The rest of the country is not this, is it? After eight o'clock at night, yeah. Do you want pizza or curry? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's usually from the same shop. Yeah. 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 Kebab, fish, pizza, curry. I yeah. love those yeah. ones. Like kebab, fish, pizza, curry. But that's but that's all they have in in, in Scotland. It's like they they I, I had a couple of Scottish girlfriends in my time. Yeah, no, but I, I have a couple of Scottish girlfriends over, and they and they just basically had, like, they don't even have a fish and chip shop. It's like basically, if you have a shop like that, you do everything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My favourite thing, of course, being uh, a pizza crunch. Do you know what a pizza crunch is? Is it where they fold it and dip it in the batter and fry it? Good shout. Yes. <laughs> well, I've never gone there. I've never um, gone, but I have had the deep fried black pudding and my digestive system was not happy. Really? Yeah, the di- don't, don't do it kids. I tell, you what, I tell you what I can go for, deep fried cream egg. Again, that's nice. It's been a while, you just stick with the fish and the chips, you know, I don't need to like, I'm, I'm done with deep frying rando things. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Chip, chip, chips and scraps. That's all we could, all we could afford when we were kids. I like yeah. chips and curry sauce. I like a lot of chip shop bollocks. That's, that's, that, that's what I like. That's, a, yeah. like a saveloy. I don't give a shit. Like, I, I mean, in general, I eat really well. I eat, like, really decent food because I'm in, in, um, in Paris. Yeah. I've got access to really decent... Are they? Oh. Where is she? Probably eating. Unless anyone's got cash. Oh, damn it. Your merch isn't popular, is it? What a pain. Oh, yeah. How much are they going for? I haven't given anything. We'll find out. Hold on, Ruth. Do you want to do it? Yeah, 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 yeah. No worries, man. I'm going to have to head off anyway. So let, let's wind up there on the Savaloy then, shall yes. we? All yeah, right, it's, it's great. Been a pleasure, man. Good to see you, man. Yeah, good to good see you. you. I'm glad you're still with us. Yeah, yeah, you, you too. <laughs> Yeah, I'm quite glad to still be with us as well, to be honest. Um, I um, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did doing it. It was really cool. And yeah, so we end up talking about food a lot, all right? And there's only 20 minutes and it's not great quality. um, But at least it's something other than me jabbering on about me and my opinions about music, etc. So thank you very much for listening. This is the first of many to come this year. Cracking uh, interview coming up next episode. But I was, it was great to catch up with Hatem there. And I, we've got so much to talk about. 
definitely going to get him back on. Also, um, uh, possibly, I had, a, I had a conversation with the guitarist in Sensor in the um, uh, in the room um, after Hatem had gone out. We were chatting away, and um, and he said. Um, Oh, so are you in a band as well as doing this podcast then? I said, yeah, yeah. And he was like, oh, what, what, uh, what band? I said, oh, I'm in a thrash metal band called Acid Rain. And he went, fucking hell, really? Are you H? I was like, uh, yeah. He was like, I saw you guys supporting Exodus and supporting Flotsam and Jetsam at the Astoria back in the day. And I remember thinking, if British bands can do it, you know, and, and you were one of the guys, one of the bands that I saw British bands that made me think you, you know we, I, I can do this I can be in a band and I was completely flawed because like Sensor to me are up on a, on, a, on a pedestal of you know one of the greatest UK bands ever and yeah just a really weird feeling if, if I'm honest especially like in person I really wasn't prepared for it um, so anyway yeah hopefully I'll get those guys back on very soon. Thanks for listening, as always. I've mentioned Patreon enough. There's links in the show notes to all sorts of bits and pieces. Uh, well, probably just Patreon and the reducer. But as always, thank you for listening. Thanks for uh, tuning in. And uh, let's go out and smash 2024 together.